Well, it's, uh, it's great to have this opportunity. I, I wanted to, uh, to set up our story today about Mary with a big picture. Uh, you may have seen me do this before, uh, if you're a regular at New Life. Uh, here's the Old Testament, uh, here's the New, and I have a number of pictures that are the highlights of the Old and the New Testament. And uh, what we're going to do is just dive in and have a look at a couple of points that set us up for the story of Mary that we're going to look at today. Uh, the first point to probably set us up is the second picture in my account of the, the Bible, which is that there's a problem in the world. The problem in the world, and you may have discovered this, uh, is that sin means that we grieve God by not living according to his way and grieve and injure each other by choosing selfishly. Uh, that's been the state of all mankind uh, from chapter 3 of the Bible, chapter 3 of Genesis, uh, all the way through to today. And what we need is hope and a saviour. And uh, so right from the very start of the beginning of the Bible, we are looking forward to someone who will do something about the sin problem. If we fast forward a little bit, uh, we come to uh, God's people uh, in the land of Israel and God puts over them kings. And uh, there's a very famous king, King David. There's a promise made to King David that one day one of his descendants will rule on his throne forever. One of his descendants will rule on his throne forever. And so King David is a great and mighty king, but he looks forward to a greater king who will come, someone descended from him who will rule on his throne. We also see in the Old Testament uh, that despite the fact that God had given Israel some good kings, there are a bunch of terrible kings as well. Uh, They did an appalling job, and uh, it meant that the promised land that God had given them gets taken away and God's people with a big broom get swept out of the land and sent far away from the place of his pleasure. They get sent to the ends of the earth really well, across to a modern day Iraq and Iran. Uh, they, They lose the promised land because of their sin. Right at the end of the Old Testament, we have this wonderful account that God brings his people home from exile. He brings them home and sets them back to Jerusalem. And then back in the land, the people are longing for the fulfillment of the promise to David. Where is our king? Where is the great king that was promised? Where is God's plan now that we're such a broken people? That's basically the note at the end of the Old Testament. Expectation, hope, and longing. We get to the New Testament, and that's where... Uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and we've got Luke open in front of us, tell us the story of what happened next. What happened next? So, uh, so where are we? Well, if you've got the passage open, uh, have a look with me at verse 26. It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Well, let's zoom in a little bit. Uh, you can see uh, your red, red marker there. We're, we're here uh, in the Middle East. Coming a bit closer, we're in Israel, and we're in, well, it's interesting to note, we're not in Jerusalem. Now, all of us will go, of course we're not in Jerusalem, everybody knows uh, that it all happens somewhere else, but here's the point. God's big intervention in history is about to be noted, and it's not going to happen in his holy city, the capital city of Israel. It's not going to happen there. It's going to happen up north in a place called Galilee. Now, that should cause us this morning to go, huh? But we probably don't have enough energy for that, so let's just let that, let that go. Uh, 
The reason that it's so striking, though, is because Jerusalem is the place where God's temple is. It's the place where he said he was going to dwell. It's the center of the nation. It's been restored in all of its majesty and power by King Herod. And here we are in Jerusalem. But that's not where God's intervention is happening. It's happening in Galilee up north here. And you kind of go, Galilee, what's Galilee like? Well, Galilee's like Tasmania. Good, I like the laugh. The laugh's helpful. Uh, It says in the scriptures, people said, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So if you're having a little chuckle about Tasmania, you're absolutely right. All the sophisticated people in Jerusalem would have thought that they were a bunch of hicks living in Galilee. Okay, they really would have. And so, so here's the thing. Where's our story today start? It starts in a backwater. It starts in Tasmania uh, with an angel appearing. Now, the angel appears to Mary. And I don't know what you think of when you think of Mary. Uh, there are all sorts of different depictions of her, aren't there? And uh, apparently, I'm, I'm not really uh, very much aware of these things, but apparently the colours that Mary wears uh, are really important if you're into this kind of Mary iconography. So uh, blue is for a purity and red is for divinity and all these sorts of things. I, I don't know too much about it, but there you go. If you can look up there, uh, the far bottom right one, um, that beautiful Anglo-Saxon lady there, uh, that's how she's typically you know, portrayed. In fact, in the the Bible that was put together for, uh, for TV, that was, that's actually Mary from the, uh, the Bible TV series. She's shockingly Anglo-Saxon. Uh, let's start by acknowledging the fact Mary would have looked nothing like that. In fact, Mary probably would have looked much more like this. Surprisingly, she would have looked Middle Eastern. You might be surprised at how young she looks. Uh, It's a different world to us, uh, if I can say that this morning, church. And people could well have been betrothed at ages sort of 13 and 14. And so for her to be a virgin, pledged in marriage, it's quite possible that this young Middle Eastern woman was somewhere in the realms of 13 to 14 years old. Now that's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? She would have had a head covering on, And we find out quite a lot about her. What I want to do this morning is spend some time interrogating the information that the Bible's given us, thinking through what's here and coming to a better understanding of Mary. If you're already shocked at this as a picture for Mary, great. Let's rebuild who she is from the Bible, uh, not just from pictures on the wall. Does that sound okay? All right, well, let's let's dive in. So what do we learn about Mary? you know, there's that thing, there's something about Mary. Uh, what do we learn uh, about Mary, about this, this girl, uh, this young girl? What, what do we learn about her? I want us to have a look at her life and location, her faith and faithfulness, uh, something about the pregnancy and something about her response. Now, I'm going to put lots of little words up here. Don't worry if you can't read them up on the screen. They're going to help me organise my thinking and help us look at the passage uh, that's in front of us. So let's see, what information do we find out about her life and location? Well, number one, she lives in Nazareth. Uh, Now, uh, again, I've said to you it's like Tasmania. Uh, That's that's interesting enough, but but here's the extraordinary thing. Uh, Mary is a young girl. 
She lives in Tasmania. How many people before an angel appears do you think knew her? There, there can't have been many. She lived in a small town. Were there a thousand people in Nazareth? I don't know. There might have been 500. There might have been 200. It's, a, it, it's not a huge place. So all the locals might have known the young girl called Mary. But I'm telling you, no one else would have. She's a household name around the world today. That's extraordinary. But here's the thing. God, the God of the universe, noticed her. Do you see this? The God of the universe noticed her in a backwater called Nazareth. She lives in Nazareth. She's a virgin. Uh, Now, uh, there's been some debate backwards and forwards on whether uh, virgin means um, betrothed in marriage or someone who hasn't slept with anyone yet. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward that she's betrothed in marriage, yes. And she wouldn't have a question to say, how can this be if she'd already slept with someone? Does that make sense? So we can drop the silly things about what does the word virgin mean. It means that she's an unmarried woman who hasn't yet been with a man. Tick. She is a virgin. She's pledged in marriage. So uh, it says here uh, that she was pledged in marriage, verse 27, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. So she has the pledge made, but she's not married. She's in the engagement period is basically what that means for us. Uh, She's pledged to be married to a guy called Joseph. Now, last week, Stuart very helpfully uh, brought Joseph before us and uh, reminded us about him. I think he's absolutely unappreciated in the story. I think he's an extraordinary man, very godly and faithful. Uh, But here she is. Uh, She's a nobody, and it's worth saying he's a nobody in a backwater in Tasmania. And she is called Mary. Uh, What does Mary mean? Uh, not really 100% sure. It may be related to the name Mara, which is the name Naomi gives to herself when she comes back with Ruth from the foreign country, which would be super interesting if that was related, uh, but I'm not sure. She's called Mary. That's what the text tells us. What about her faith and faithfulness? Well, she spoke with an angel. Uh, I think God's amazing. Uh, he could have obviously emailed her or texted her, No, okay, he couldn't have done that. God God chose to speak to this young girl in this backwater, and how did he do it? He sent a messenger. Our our, our series is called Good News and Strange Messengers. Well, here's a strange messenger. An angel appears to Mary and speaks to her. Uh, Have a look in verse 30, uh, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You see, Mary's highly favoured. Again, we were just so familiar with this story. I just want to just stop with you and just, just notice this. God noticed Mary. God chose her. Her highly favoured status is that she has been picked from all the young women in Israel. She's highly favoured because she is the chosen one, because God saw her and cared for her. It says that God is with her. It says that she'll be called blessed among women. Not necessarily because she's a super duper awesome person, but she'll be called blessed among women because she'll bear the Son of God. How many people get to do that? Okay, good. That's the reason. That's so she'll be called blessed. Uh, And interestingly enough, have a look with me at verse 43 
but why am I so favoured, Elizabeth says, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? There's someone in Mary who Elizabeth says will be her Lord. Isn't that extraordinary? She says, you're the mother of my Lord, looking at someone who's pregnant. Something truly extraordinary is happening. Something very precious is happening uh, to Mary. Well, let's talk about her pregnancy. Uh, Now, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, We live in a day where ultrasounds are the thing, aren't they? When, When do you have your first ultrasound? How many weeks? Eight to 12 weeks, something like that. Uh, That's before most people would have known that they were pregnant, I'm guessing, in this time. And then we find out all sorts of things. We measure them and head circumferences. and It's it's extraordinary what we know about babies before they're born today, isn't it? Just, Just extraordinary. So in our day and age, to have something say, you will give birth to a boy, we kind of go, oh yeah, no worries, it's easy to know. The angel just carried out the ultrasound. It's, it's funny, isn't it? You know, at some level, how many sexes could the baby be? Only one or the other. But it's proclaimed in advance that she will give birth to a boy. Quite amazing. And that the boy will be conceived, it says, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Have a look at verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one born to you will be called the Son of God. Quite extraordinary. Seems ordinary in our day and age. Amazing. In that day. What about Mary's response? This is my favourite bit about the way the Bible portrays God and people interacting, or God and angels interacting. You would imagine Mary's been chosen because she's highly favoured. Clearly, she's the most faithful person in the whole of Israel. Tick, what a brilliant woman she is. So when God says to her through his angel, you're going to have the Son of God, she goes, aye, aye, sir, I can't wait, bring it on. Have a look with me. Have a look at what what she says. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Sorry, can we just back this up a little bit? I don't know how I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. Can you see that? That's so real. That's so ordinary. Wow, I'm, I'm speaking to an angel. The angel's just said I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. I could just say, thank you, goodbye. But she says, actually... I just want to check it out. Um, how's that going to work? I don't, I don't know how this is going to be. I, I love the reality of her asking the angel, tell me what's going on. Tell me how this can possibly be. Yet, how beautiful is her response? Uh, have a look at verse 38. The angel explains to her what's going to happen. In verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Think of how vulnerable she was. Think of how trusting she was. Think of how beautiful her servant heart is. I am the Lord's servant. May I be a tool in his hand. How extraordinary. I I think she's just fabulous. And then she sings a song of praise to God, uh, which was brought to us before. Uh, I would love to be able to sing. I'm not going to sing in front of you. Uh, But uh, it it is an extraordinary song. And it shows us, uh, that she really knew God's plan. Well, let's, uh, let's see. What do we learn about this unborn Jesus, uh, the one who's going to be coming? What, what do we learn about him? Uh, 
some things about his life and location, his future, and what he will be called. Uh, we said he'll be a boy. Great. We know that already. Um, he's spoken of before his birth. This is the really interesting thing. I, I heard someone say the other day, uh, there are thousands of babies who were born to become a king. Right? So if you're born in a royal household, uh, what's our current uh, next line of descent through the, the Windsors in, in England? Who have we got? So we've got Charlie. Obviously, he was born to be a king. I, I think we're all secretly hoping he doesn't get up. Is that right? Uh, who's the next in line? William, right. So William, right, born to be a king, right? Fantastic. How brilliant is that? Here's the thing. Jesus was a king who was born. Can you see the difference? Jesus Jesus existed. The Son of God existed before his birth. He was the king of the universe and he was born. The king was born. The king was born. And so he is spoken of, he's prophesied 700 years before his birth. Isaiah writes about him. A king will come. What about his future? Well, these are some of the things that we learn about the future of this one who is to come. Have a look at verse 32. He will be great and we be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, that's not a bad resume, is it? Don't we all have great hopes for our children? One day they might grow up to be a... I don't know. What do you hope for your kids? We have all sorts of expectations and hopes, don't we? But here's this. Mary... Mary is told, oh, your son will be okay. He'll get on. He'll be called the son of the most high God. He'll reign on David's throne forever. What an extraordinary promise of the future of her son before he's born. Just extraordinary. And what will he be named? Will he be called Jesus? It says uh, back there um, in verse, what verse is it? Oh, I've lost it. You guys can see it there? 31. Ah, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. Uh, Jesus, God saves. He will be called the son of God. There aren't too many people who, uh, who bear that name. He will be called Elizabeth's Lord before he's born. And we spoke of that before. He's going to be a king. He's going to be a king. So we've, we learn something of Jesus uh, even before he's, he's born. What do we learn about God the Father? What do we learn about God the Father through this, uh, through this little episode here? What about his involvement? Well, first of all, as I say, he sent an angel. Uh, so God says, I want to reveal my plan. I, again, we, we just know that it should be like this. So think with me for a second about an alternative possibility. God could have sent his son into the world by just having Mary become pregnant. Couldn't he? He could have waited until Mary was uh, married for 10 years and all of a sudden she falls pregnant and uh, it's God and their fourth child is the Son of God. Could have happened. Not how God did it. He's fulfilling prophecy in the Old Testament which says that a virgin will give birth. More than that, he cares about Mary. 
Yeah? So he tells her in advance, I love you, Mary. This will happen to you. I'll even answer your question because I care for you. So God sent an angel. Uh, It's not in Jerusalem. So it shows us that God cares about all of his people. This is really important. It's tiny writing up there. But I want you to know that the baby that's to be born is an act of creation, not procreation. Creation, not procreation. What does that mean? Well, if you're a Greek, guess what happens in your stories, in your legends? What happens is gods come to earth and have sex with people. They do. So there is that happening. Now, that is not the account here. God doesn't come to earth. You get the point without me being too explicit here, do you? We're not doing a Greek thing here. We're doing something absolutely extraordinary. Just like God took the soil and breathed on it and created a living man with Adam, so too a holy embryo will be born. Something truly extraordinary. An act of creation, not procreation. I think that's really beautiful. And God will be present. It says that he's present actually uh, in Elizabeth. Uh, and and uh, when, when Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist, meets Mary, who's pregnant with Jesus, it says that the baby leapt in her womb, leapt with joy, recognizing his cousin. Uh, God is involved in every part of this. Obviously, it's a plan. It's a long-term plan. It started with the promise to David seven, oh, sorry, a thousand years before, uh, before Jesus was born. God made a promise to David. Uh, His plan involved this beautiful woman, someone who nobody else would have noticed. His plan, I think, is is socially awkward, isn't it? It's really odd. God's bringing his son into the world. And what he says is, Mary, I know you guys are just kind of engaged. Um, You're going to become pregnant. And Mary goes, yep, okay, may it be as the Lord has said to me. What does she say as she starts going around the village? getting bigger and bigger. Um, the child in me is from God. How do you reckon that played in her village? Think about Joseph. He says, no, 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 we, we, we haven't slept together. This is an act of God. I'm going to keep loving and serving my wife. Well, I just want us to acknowledge God's plan, which is beautiful in fulfillment of scripture, also Kind of was socially awkward, I think, for, uh, for the two involved. But God deals very gently uh, with Mary, uh, and I am, I'm very thankful for that. What do we learn about God's character? Uh, he is faithful. Have a look at um, verse 37. It says there, the angel finishes by saying, for no word from God will ever fail. Are you looking for a memory verse to remember over the holidays? There's one for you. Uh, Luke one thirty-seven says, for no word from God will ever fail. God is utterly trustworthy. Did it take a thousand years for the promise to David to be fulfilled? Yes. Did it take 700 years for the promise to Isaiah to be fulfilled? Yes. Did God keep his promise? Absolutely. God is mindful of the humble. He sees Mary and notices her. I think that's beautiful. And he notices faithfulness. No one else would have seen Mary's faithfulness. Well, maybe, his, maybe her family would have seen it. But the living God, remember that Google Earth picture I had at the start? Zoomed up so we could see all of Europe. Do you remember that? 
Now, if we were looking down on that, how many people do you reckon you'd see? I don't know. Several hundred million, yeah? Here's the thing. God looks at his country, finds in it a 13-year-old girl who's faithful and chooses her. Extraordinary. God sees faithfulness. Your faithfulness will not go unobserved by the living God. He's full of mercy in dealing with her and he is a champion of the weak. So what's the appeal of Mary? Uh, Mary has uh, all sorts of um, positive things said about her. Why are we so positive about Mary? Well, here's some suggestions. Um, We've got to keep remembering who Mary is. I think there's something about her that's approachable. She's a human being. She's a mum. That, that, that's good. She's approachable. Um, she's understanding. Uh, there, there's something about her getting us because she's a woman. Uh, she's motherly. Uh, I, I, when my boy falls over and stubs his toe again in his crocs again, and I pick him up, I love him and I love holding him as he's crying and I say to him, look at this or do something with your other hand and he forgets about it straight away. But there, there, are, sometimes, there are sometimes when he falls over and the person he really needs a hug from is who? Mum. And you'll know this in your own lives, even as adults, you know, sometimes you just need a hug from mum. So maybe there's something about Mary that's motherly that we really like. And maybe she's a model. She's said to be faithful, so maybe she's a good model for us. I think all those things are true. But do some of those benefits sound familiar to you? Do do they sound like benefits that somebody else offers us as well? Maybe maybe this bloke, perhaps. Let's let's have a think. What about approachable? Have a listen to this scripture from Hebrews 10. It says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. See, here's the thing. God is approachable. He's approachable because of Jesus. Whenever we're worried, is is God approachable? The Bible assures us again and again that through Jesus, God is absolutely approachable, and we can approach with confidence. So that's good. What about understanding? Mary gets us because she's like us. Well, yeah, how about this? Hebrews 4 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Check this out, brothers and sisters. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Does God understand us? Yes. How? His son has walked amongst us and been one of us. Understanding is available through Jesus. What about motherly? Is Jesus motherly? Well, that's a bit of an odd one. How about we go with, is Jesus compassionate? Is Jesus compassionate? Well, again in Hebrews it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Is Jesus compassionate? Absolutely he is. Where do I go to find grace and mercy? Where do I go? I go to the throne of God and I go with the Son of God. What about a model? I'm not saying Mary was a model. 
She looks pretty nice, I'm sure. But uh, A model. Here's what, uh, here's what the guys said. Uh, Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Who should our model be? Who's the one who's got a call in our life to say, come follow me? Who should we look to? And the answer is, good answer. Good answer. It's always the answer, isn't it? Jesus. So who do we look to? We look to Jesus. And, and what does Paul say? The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of who? You're going to get this. Who? Jesus, that's right. So who are we to model after? Who's the one set before us? Thanks, Who's the one set before us who we're to model our life on that we're to follow after? Well, it's... Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. So what does Jesus tell us about Mary? What does Jesus tell us about Mary? I love, there's just some nice things here for us to, uh, to be aware of. Uh, this is really great. Uh, Jesus is walking along. And uh, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. I don't know how she did it, but she's calling out in the crowd. It wasn't quiet and it probably wasn't very couth, right? So here she is, Jesus teaching, and this woman just goes, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And what's Jesus' response? See, it's his mum, right? What's Jesus' response? I think this is so, so beautiful and encouraging. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Does that surprise you? The woman calls out and says, blessed is your mum. The answer is she's blessed, isn't she? It's in the scripture here. What does Jesus say? No, no, blessed rather, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Do you know who that could be? You and me. Isn't that extraordinary? Jesus is saying, even more blessed potentially, potentially, than Mary are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Amazing. What else does Jesus say about his mum? You know, in in this time, it was uh, the son's duty to look after the parents. Kids look after their parents in their old age. That just makes sense, doesn't it? Does Jesus get to grow old? He doesn't, does he? He dies hanging on a cross. I want you to see how he fulfills the duty of a son to his mother. Have a listen to these words from Luke 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. I love this. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, Here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So Jesus is dying for the sins of the world. He's paying the price for our rebellion. He is bearing the weight of sin of all of humanity. And as he hangs on the cross, who does he think of to care for? Isn't this beautiful? He cares for his mum. And he says, Mum. I am putting you in the hands of my disciple who loves you. 
I just think it's extraordinary. Did Jesus care for Mary? Absolutely he did. He loved her and he cared for her. Are there any special lessons here for women? I put this up like this. Women, please pay attention. Men, you can sneakily look on because I think they apply to you as well. First thing I want to say from looking at Mary is be faithful. Be faithful. God sees it. Your faithfulness will not go unobserved. Be ready to obey. I mean, how, how awesome is Mary? She just says, yes, Lord, use me. Would we be ready to do that? Are we making our lives available to God? Are we making it an open book and saying, here I am, I'm your vessel, use me? Be ready to praise. Mary's standing there and she composes this awesome song. She bursts forth into song. Do we know words of praise? Can we give thanks for God's faithfulness? That's my last point. Knowledgeable of your God. Could you turn what you know of God and his faithfulness into song? even tunelessly, because you know him and you love him. What about Jesus? Do you want you to know him? God put this extraordinary plan in place that we might know him, not just about him, but know him. Know his benefits, the forgiveness of the God who saves, and that you might go to him and find him to be your comfort and your hope. What about this extraordinary God? Seek his favour. Blessed are you, the Bible says of Mary. Would you take comfort in keeping his word, knowing that he is a promise-keeping God? Well, what would I say about Mary today? I think she's the most extraordinary, ordinary woman in the world. Hey, Zach, how are you, mate? We haven't seen you for ages. Good to see you, Zach. Hey, Bill. Uh, What do we think about Mary? Well, we think that she's the most extraordinary, ordinary woman in the world. Extraordinary, absolutely. We do not need to say anything other than the highest praise and honour for her. And yet we would also say that she is a woman, a faithful woman, but no more than that. Let Let me see, what will this king do? Well, let's let Mary have the last word. I, I, I love this. This, this, is, this is Mary. She'll, she'll sign us off out of this sermon today. Uh, you remember they're at the wedding in Cana in Galilee, and they've run out of wine. And uh, Mary comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, can you take care of this? And she just turns and says to the servants, she says to the servants this, do whatever he tells you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this account of Jesus' birth. We thank you that it was no accident that you saw the backwaters of Nazareth, that you chose a faithful girl, that she responded with extraordinary faith and obedience. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son into the world to save us. We pray, Father, that we might know his benefits that we might turn to him, find him approachable and understanding and compassionate, that we might draw near to you because of the extraordinary work you have done through your son. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen.